Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, a show for accountants and controllers using cloud technology to improve efficiencies and make their jobs more strategic and impactful. This podcast is brought to you by Flowcast, close management software created by accountants for accountants to help them close the books faster and more accurately. If you're interested in learning more about how close management software can cut the time it takes your team to close the books by 20% or more, check out Flowcast at F-L-O-Q-A-S-T.com. I'm your host, Blake Oliver, and joining me today is Jody Padar, CEO and principal of New Vision CPA Group, an accounting firm based in the Chicago area. Jody is a regular contributor to CPA Trendlines and has become known as somewhat of a thought leader in the accounting profession. Her book, The Radical CPA, has become a must-read for all accountants looking to create a customer-centric firm for the modern world. You can follow Jody on Twitter at Jody Padar CPA or connect with her on LinkedIn, where she has, as of today, I believe, 412,000 followers, which is kind of unfathomable, unfathomable to me. So, Jody, I want to thank you for, uh, for joining me today. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. And uh, I hope you're staying warm in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's spring here, so it's all good. <laughs> It marches spring. I, you know, I remember when I when I went to college in Chicago, and it would hit about sixty degrees on some days, and uh, the girls would be out uh, sunbathing <laughs> uh, because you know it, it's it's very different than ten degrees. Right. I mean, we do shorts at forty degrees, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, uh, I'm really excited to have you on today because I hear that. Uh, well, first, I should say that your current book or the book you you have, are known for the Radical CPA has been out for uh, quite a while now and has, has become very well known. And you've got something new that has just come out. What, what's yeah. yeah, so I'm really excited because my new book is out now and it's from Success to Significance, the Radical CPA Guide. And really what happened was is the Radical CPA um, started like seven years ago, right? Even though the book's only been out for three years, but really the concepts and everything were like getting kind of old, right? They were seven years old. And for an innovator such as myself, like I had to take the content to the next level. And that's really what I did in my new book. And I really talk about our new business model and really putting innovation into a firm's DNA, which I think before it was very much like, okay, how do we take the cloud and mobile and social and we place them on a firm? And today's book and really, you know, kind of the next level of thought is kind of how do we take all those ideas and make um, innovation, which is a most overused word, but we make it organic to our firms so that we will continue to evolve our DNA because that's what new firms today need, right? Um, because the technology is going to continue to evolve and it's going to continue to change. And how are we going to take all that? Um, technology and make sure that our firms are relevant into the future, right? So that we do, you know, remain significant to our clients because the technology we know is only getting faster, right? And yeah. so what are we going to do, right? If we don't figure out how to reorganize our firms. And so what would be, you know, obviously folks are going to have to buy and read the book to find out all your secrets, but do you have any, you know, what's your like number one key piece of advice for firm owners that, that want to stay relevant? So this is a new way of looking at a firm. And I think um, technology firms have been doing it for a while and they do something called product management, right? So it's kind of release and reiterate, release and reiterate and keep 
to keep it evolving. And I think um, as CPA firm owners, we're going to have to learn how to productize our services, which is really what we did with client accounting services. Really, it's a productized service, right? So now my big idea is to take that idea and put it across your whole firm, whether those services be audit or consulting or, um, you know, some other R&D credit, right? How mm -hmm. do you take that idea? How do you take the knowledge of the, the technical knowledge that the CPA has? How do you take the technology? How do you take the marketing piece? And how do you take kind of the customer, you put it all together, you wrap a package around it, you release it and you reiterate it on it so that it continues to evolve into the future as opposed to just saying, um, this is a process and this is how we do it. We say we're gonna release early and we're gonna keep releasing and release often. And we make sure that we still meet all our CPA technical standards and that you know everything's ethically correct, which I think is what CPAs are afraid of, but it allows us to continually put that DNA and innovation into what we sell, which we haven't had in the past. We've never done that in the past. We've just followed processes or best practices. So when when you say productize a service, what does that mean uh, exactly? Does does that mean we are no longer billing hourly for something or? Absolutely. Like we're not selling hours anymore, right? We're, we're selling a productized service, which has a specific customer in mind. Mm -hmm. And so people always say, oh, you should niche, but nobody tells you what a niche is or how to do it, right? But if you create a product that's specific to a specific demographic or psychographic, now you can actually niche it. Now you can actually price it. So people say, oh, you should value price, but you can't value price something unless you specifically know what it is you're selling um, and and I would even say that's a fixed price but then the next level is a value price right but you have to really understand what it is you're selling and who you're serving in order to do that you can't just say okay I'm gonna sell it for a value price and then you're gonna figure it out right you really have to know what it is you sell and who you service and specifically create something special for them mm -hmm. which is that niche which then leaves you to productizing something and pricing it correctly and making sure that it, it meets their needs. Interesting. So um, maybe we could like try an example because I find that th that that for me helps me understand it um, best. So I think we started with client accounting services, right? So mm -hmm. so that's what everyone did, right? Or I say everyone because most of the world is still not using client accounting services, but let's, let's say we're doing something like client accounting services, right? Right. So let's say what are our inputs, right? We have technology that is going to be a part of it. So you're going right. to have your zero or QBO or whatever. You're going to have your trial balance software. Gee, maybe wait, you're wait, gonna... so you're, you're saying I can't use my desktop QuickBooks anymore? Right, right. So oh, no. no. So you're going to have your technology. Gee, right. you might even have Flowcast in there, right? As an input that's going to come in as part of your technology stack, right? Right. You're going to have something in your stack. You're going to have your accountant expert who is going to be the technical skill set who's going to put their, their accounting technical skill on top of that technology, right? You're gonna package it, um, so you're gonna put all your inputs, what it is your deliverable is for your clients. So maybe it's gonna be a month on close, maybe it's gonna be a quarterly review, maybe it's going to be a tax return, maybe not, I don't know. You're gonna put all your kind of deliverables in it, right, and that's gonna be a package. And you're gonna figure out specifically who you're gonna sell it to. So is it gonna go to a manufacturing client? Is it going to go to a dentist or a service provider, right? And then 
you're going to put all of that and put some pretty marketing and packaging around it. And we're going to add content marketing to that because content marketing is the way to reach our clients, right? Because they're going to be all over the country. It's not going to be just like the guy down the block, right? Right, right. And then we're going to put a price around it. And we're going to say, okay, because we know specifically it's going to be attracted to this dentist. We right. know specifically what we're going to give as a deliverable. We know the technology stack that's involved in it. And we know our accountant cost, right? Whoever that technical accountant is. And now we can price it and we can sell it and we can market it via content marketing specifically to that person who meets those needs and they're going to love it because it meets their needs exactly. So we've productized a service and then that, that's truly what client accounting right. services are, but nobody's ever said it like that before. They've always just said, Oh, you just put it all together. You bundle it and you put a value price on it. And everyone's like, huh? So, so this is completely on the opposite side of, uh, I I'm just selling bookkeeping hours or you know, like I'm selling accounting hours instead of that. I am now uh, taking outcomes, right? And I'm packaging those together, like you said, into uh, something that I can put a like a monthly fee on, and just a correct a price, a, pri okay. a, a flat price instead of selling the hours. Right. So, so yeah. So my question about that, um, and you also mentioned content marketing, which you know, as a marketer, <laughs> I, I love, right? Um, so maybe we we could actually talk about. Um, that as well. Um, so, you know, what do you, what do you, what, what does content marketing mean to you, right? Once you've built that, you know, bookkeeping accounting package for dentists, how, what is, what, how do I market that? Well, so, and I say, and I'll say even content marketing. So there's the external content marketing where you're pushing information out and you're trying to collect future users, right? But I would say, take it closer to your heart because I'm all about loving on my customers and teaching your team how to interact with that dentist because that dentist, the way you communicate with that dentist is going to be very different than you would communicate with a real estate guy or very different than you would communicate with a graphic artist. And so then if you teach your, or if you teach your team how to love on that dentist and give them the information they need in the tone they need in the expectation that they need, then those dentists are going to spread all kinds of loving content for you and you're going to get lots of referrals. And that's the idea of building a niche, right? But right. nobody tells you that, right? They just tell you, oh, build a niche. But they don't realize that the first place of building a niche is really understanding how to communicate with your customer so that they love you. And then I think the other piece of that is, is that takes the, the productized service away from the partner. So now it's not the partner who's doing all the communicating. You can push that communication down and now your team can become that point of contact so that the partner is no longer the only person who can talk to the client. Your, your whole team can talk to the client and then they're marketing for you all the time. Well, so that's very interesting, and I know that your your new book is targeted more toward large uh, CPA mm -hmm. firms in addition to small. Um, and I, you know, based on my experience working in a large firm, I I would say that some partners are definitely better than others about allowing their team to have that client relationship. I was fortunate in that as a manager, I was allowed to own the client relationship. Um, it, it would be very difficult for me to have done my job if I wasn't allowed to do that. But I see that frequently in tax and in audit, right, where the, the partner owns that and won't let their team 
but but that's because they're living in a model of scarcity where they think their only clients are the client in their town or their client next door. If you really have that ability to go global, right, and you're not stuck in this local town where you think your only customer is the guy next door, then all of a sudden now it opens the world up to the idea of abundance and your your team members can can really facilitate all of that growth that you're going to have. And then I think on the other side of it is then you have to love on your team so that they don't leave you, right? Because that that's the partner's fear is that the, the team is going to learn everything and then they're going to move on and they're going to start their own firm. Usually they don't. Usually they go to the firm down the block. Right. But if you think about it from a world of abundance and that there's millions and millions and millions of customers out there, then all of a sudden you're not so afraid of that relationship being with the partner and that relationship can then be part of the firm, which is what all the startups are doing anyways, right? If you look at Bench.io, if you look at, um, you know, Indonero, whatever, those big firms are saying, look, you're going to call into a call center and you're going to have your account rep or whatever. You're not going to be connected to partner. And that's what the CPA firms in today's world don't get is that, Next gen doesn't care. Next gen wants, and I wouldn't even say it's just next gen. People expect an answer and they don't need it to come always from that same person, right? They just need it resolved. So is that is that what you've done in your firm as the owner of New Vision CPA? Have you, you know, empowered your staff to take over your client relationships? Absolutely. How do you think I write books? I mean, like people are like, what do you mean? You only have five people on your team and you wrote a book during tax season last year? Like, hello, like my team has to actually serve customers and I'm not the one who's touching everything. So less than 30% of my time is actually spent doing technical work. Most of my time is spent doing sales and marketing, which is what it should be doing, right? I mean, that's, that's my best place to be anyways. That's, that's my that's my sweet spot. So that's where I should be. Well, that's that's tough though because most accountants probably didn't get into this profession thinking they were going to be doing sales and marketing someday, right? So okay, so now if you've actually productized your service and that's not your sweet spot, guess what? You can outsource it to someone who knows how to do it, <laughs> right? That's you true. should be doing what you do best. And if I don't know if if you really think accounting is your best best place to be, um, then be doing accounting and productize your services and let, um, let someone else do the marketing. But if you, right. do, if you truly do that, you can hire it because you can outsource it. That's a really good point because once, you've, once you have productized your service, then that's something that a salesperson can, can right. sell on your behalf. Whereas if it's just your time, then really how can somebody else sell that? Totally. And I think the big thing to remember is that it's not just client accounting services that you can apply these principles to. It's R&D credits. It's um, whatever tax technical thing. Oh, no. A big one for us, business property tax filings. Right. Business property tax filings. I say 1099s. People don't even realize something as simple as a 1099. You can productize that service. Actually, that's a great example. And um, we did that in my firm. Um, where I, I couldn't believe when I when I I heard that bookkeepers were you know just selling their time to do 1099s because you know it might take you half an hour to do 10 1099s if you have all the information from last year right but the value is way greater than a Absolutely. half hour of billing 
So we started charging tiers and our minimum was like $500 to do 1099s and people would happily pay for it. Right. Right. So yeah, that, that's another thing people don't realize is that they think that by productizing their service, they're going to lose billings, right? Because they're not billing by the hour anymore, but it really could work out the other way. Well, and you have to, because technology is taking away time anyway. So like if we don't, if we as CPAs don't rethink our business model, if we really don't rethink what we're selling and what we're delivering on, um, you're either going to have, because how do you build two minutes? You're either going to have 10,000 customers or you're not going to make any money. So like, the, I mean, there's external forces that are forcing us to rethink our model, which I mean, I figured it out 10 years ago. I don't know why everyone else is still like late to the game. And, that, and, I, and I don't mean it like to be mean to, to these people because you know what? If you're making money billing by the hour, it's very hard to change. Well, and that's the thing is that a lot of accountants are still making a lot of money billing by the hour. But at some point that might not work anymore. Well, I think it's going to become even faster because when you look at artificial intelligence and all these other technology changes that are coming, it's only going to speed it up. So, and now too, as you look at, um, as firms, some of the smaller firms are changing their business models and they're seeing successes. I think the good thing is, is some of the other firms are now saying, Hey, look, you can still be in business and you can change your business model and you can still be relevant. Right. So, yeah. you know, the early adopters and the innovators have gone first. So now it's time for the profession just to flip. And the reason I'm so passionate and I think people don't get it is because, um, my passion comes from like wanting to change the business model because, um, you know, I just wrote an article on this for women's day, but, um, that, if you can adopt technology, you can have a lifestyle, right? Like you can have a, an awesome, you can have an awesome firm and you don't have to work a bazillion hours, right? So that, right. that was my, that was really my passion as to why, because people say, oh, you're all about tech, technology. And truly I'm not, I'm really about practice management and why is practice management so important to me? But it's important to me because as a young mother, you know, uh, 12 years ago when I started my firm, it was about having uh, balance in my life and about being able to still be a professional and still have time. Like I didn't have to work 12 hours a day to, you know, to, to have a firm. And, and that's, that's truly what my mission is about. People are like, oh, it's because you adopt new technology. Yeah, not really. It's about running a practice and why is practice management so important. The technology is a means to an end. It gives totally. you that work-life balance that you needed being, you know, a mom. Right. Uh, and that's interesting to me because I feel like one of the, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the big reasons that firms aren't changing is because of timesheets. I feel like, uh, and, and the billable hour, um, like Ron Baker says, as long as you think of your value as in terms of hours, why would you, you know, why would you ever want to go faster? Right. Because right. you're going to have fewer hours on your timesheet. And um, so, so do you, do you push firms toward uh, dropping timesheets? Cause that's a really hard yeah. pill to swallow. So, so I used to be, well, I used to be like, oh, it doesn't matter, right? Do what you want, right? And even costing, right? Because people say, well, we still need to do our costs. Well, right. I would say until you actually get rid of your timesheets, you're never going to change. So I'm kind of of the Ron Baker thing now. However, 
I think there's ways you can incrementally stair-step it because I'm not all or none. I'm really much about how do we get there. And so my thought is, is what if you gave yourself eight hours a week to be innovative and you didn't, you didn't record that eight hours of time, kind of the way Google does it, right? Don't they give their employees four hours or whatever? Yeah, the employees at Google, I mean, there's questions about whether or not this really happens, but it is a policy that has existed where uh, they allow 20% of your time to dedicate to your own projects. So anything you want to work on. So, So why couldn't we say, okay, you get eight hours a week to work on innovation in your firm? So change management, whatever, call it admin time, whatever, but give employees that opportunity to be a little bit creative, to make some mistakes, to be non-billable and not get dinged for it. Because today in firms, you get dinged. Yeah, I love that. So that's the stair step. I had seniors who worked for me in, when I was a manager who I would, I would um, ask them if they wanted to come to a conference with me to learn about cloud technology. And they would decline, even though the firm was going to pay for it because they didn't want to lose their billable hours for their bonus. Right, because they get dinged for it. So, yeah. so where, how are we incentivizing um, people to be creative, to be innovative? We're not. And until we start and we figure out a, a fair way of doing it, then cultures and firms aren't going to change. I, that's music to my ears, Jody. And I would love... And I think, well, and I think the other side of it is we have to show big firm owners that you can be profitable and that you can work a lot less and you can still make it, right? And, and I think that's what, what the bigger firms haven't seen yet. And that's where we have to say the proof is in the pudding and to say, look, if you actually look at these firms who are working, you know, is it my, I truly think we can do th- um, $300,000 per full-time equivalent. That's, that's what I think we can do. And, and I said that, and my, um, my principal, Alex, who's my partner in crime, she said, I think it's a half a million. And I said, you're kidding me. She says, no, she said, I think it's a half a million per FTE. If you get, if you get your systems and your processes and everything working correctly. That entirely fits with my own estimates. Um, there, Melanie Power, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with her, but, um, she, she has a, um, I can't remember if it's a book or a course called The Million Dollar Practice. And and she talks about how she built a million dollar bookkeeping business with three people. So that's exactly in line with your estimate. Right. So so we just have to to prove it now. And so, you know, and, and I think once we have it, then the the model will shift. And, and again, if you look at it from my perspective and everyone's like, why are you so passionate? Why do you want everyone to change? It's because, you know, I spent a long time trying to become a CPA and it was hard for me. And then I got into this firm and it was like, wait, this is what I did. It's because I love our profession and I want our profession to be relevant. I don't want to be taken over by like bench IO. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, I no mean, one just- does. And you just did it too. Like you went back to get your CPA, right? I mean, like you, you weren't a CPA, you built a firm and then you said, God, I, I really want my CPA. So, you know, it's like the same thing, right? It, it is. I think it's an, it's an important thing to have. And um, I should, I should uh, let the listeners know that I don't actually have my license uh, at this time. I took my exams. Right. Um, the, the, the thing about the CPA is, is that like it's a, it's a, it's from a marketing standpoint, you can't beat it. 
right? It has a huge value with the public. And the, the problem, I think, is that we just have to make sure it doesn't become irrelevant. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, Jody, it's been so great to have you. Uh, that's all the time we've got today, and I, I hope to speak to you again soon. Um, would you mind letting our listeners know where they can uh, obtain a copy of your new book? Yeah, so, um, I mean, the easiest thing is to go to CPA Trendlines and um, check out the store there, and you can purchase my book there. Otherwise, if you go to the RadicalCPA.com, you know, there will be a link back there, so then you can go find it. But um, it doesn't sell on Amazon. So don't try and find it there. Um, you need to go directly to the publisher, which is cpatrendlines.com. Great. And I'll put a link in the show notes for everyone who's listening into the podcast. Uh, I should also mention that if you're interested in staying up to date on the latest in cloud accounting, please consider subscribing to my newsletter, Cloud Accounting Weekly at cloudaccountingweekly.com. Topics include accounting technology, automation, remote work, managing a modern accounting team, and everything that Jody is also interested in. Um, pretty, pretty much anything I find interesting as an accountant obsessed with technology to make this profession more rewarding. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Jody, and I hope you all have a great week.